Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons, everything. I'm your host, as always, Ahmad Mia, partner at Caravan, a community-driven venture capital platform. Now, given the nascent ecosystem, there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them. Our mission at Caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages. You can find more information about Caravan at www.caravan.vc. In this episode, we sit down with Zainab Tariq, the ex-country manager for Uber Pakistan. So without further ado, let's get straight to Zainab. I started, well, in my undergrad, I started with studying accounting and finance about 10-15 years ago. And while I was studying, I, I realized that while I was okay with maths and accounting and all of that, um, what I really wanted to do was something creative that made me meet people, use their ideas, brainstorm and create solutions for them. So while I was at school, I started working part-time with a boutique agency, which was a very small agency back then, and now it's much bigger. Um, but I worked with them through the years of uni. As soon as I graduated, I started working with a media agency called Starcom. I spent two and a half, three years there. Um, and that was awesome because we were working with brands like Coca-Cola and Samsung. And at that time, uh, brands were using brands were making their agencies work very closely together. So we would work with the creative agencies and we would work with their digital, well, digital was just starting then, the digital agencies and the brand team itself very, very closely. And you know what, straight out of like accounting and finance major, that was like a complete me. And I realized that's exactly what I wanted to pursue. And I wanted to move from the agency side to um, the brand side. So I went away for my, MBA in Barcelona um, the year I left Starcom. I was there for two and a half years, which is a little bit over the time that I was studying. Um, and I stayed on just so that I could work with um, innovation consulting companies, uh, research companies, design companies that would make design thinking companies that were basically at the at at the peak of the startup scene in Barcelona, which now is quite a bustling ecosystem as well. Um, I worked with the accelerator in um, Telefonica and I really got to learn about what the startup challenges were in Barcelona and in Europe. And I wanted to move back and really be a part of the ecosystem here. If not a part of it, then at least start the, con- start the conversation in Pakistan. This was 2015. Uh, when I think Punjab was the only province where there was any form of technology, like PITB was at the front of it. I was fortunate to find a role at Plan 9, uh, which was, I think, one of the first incubators that Pakistan launched and was uh, powered by the PITB. Mm-hmm. That's the Punjab IT board um, under the chairmanship of Dr. Saif. And I think that the two years I spent at Plan 9 
were probably the best um, considering how much was happening on the state level, how much was happening in the federal level, all the politics in between, but still the work that was getting done um, and how much was happening at the provincial level just because of uh, the vision that PITB had. At that time, we were, we were setting up, uh, you know, uh, co-working spaces across the province in places like Multan and Bahawalpur and like small cities and that, that project is still on. Uh, we were funding freelancers who were on, you know, like Fiverr and websites like these and like, mm-hmm. were super high rated, but were just not getting any appreciation. Um, and that's where the marketing and technology bit kind of combined for me as a profession. And I really wanted to stay in that same domain to help not only people who were starting something new or doing something and give them the platform to do better or more or get them more visibility abroad, but also kind of help technology startups pave their way um, in the country. Uh, that time Mango Buzz was launching, PK was becoming a bigger brand, um, you know, Innovate, Finja, FinTech was becoming a thing. This is like 2015, 2016, when all of these brands started to really just pop up. Um, Telenor was investing in Easy Pesa. I feel yeah. like the time that it was booming. Uber and Kareem happened to be launching at the same time and um, and they were looking for a team. Um, I happened to apply. I got a marketing manager job there, which was funnily enough for a brand like Uber, it was a country marketing role. Um, and I was essentially in charge of thing that was offline. So all the traditional marketing that Uber was doing, I was in charge of it. And mm-hmm. we had really big budgets to spend on you know partnerships with festivals and events for our driver partners events for our riders um expos where we were getting partners external partners together to showcase what what they had to offer our driver partners so a lot of the traditional marketing budget i was handling at uber so the last two years while i was there i really got to understand how even though we're a fast moving tech company uh, we would still prioritize a lot on traditional marketing and just BTL campaigns. That's that's a very long story. <laughs> no, but this summary. is this is this this is awesome because I don't I I really do think that people sometimes underestimate the power that BTL can have. Uh, BTL being below the line advertising and and for me I I would love for you to kind of tell me a little bit more about the kinds of thought processes that went behind, I mean, a company like Uber that is, that is very much looked at and, and understood at, as being a technology company and a digital company. And the fact that they are spending on creating um, experiences for their partners offline. Now, I personally love that because, I mean, looking at even direct consumer companies that are completely e-commerce, the way that they're creating experiences on retail or experiences that they create in events. Um, I mean, now post COVID we're in a, in a, in a weird space, we're in a weird space where we can't really do much congregation of, of events, but I'd love to kind of understand what the thinking and what the strategy was um, coming into creating campaigns and, and, and doing the marketing um, engagement activities that you were doing. Yeah. Um, so I think that some of the conversations I had with Startups Black at Plan 9 were, were also around social media and digital marketing. 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of brands saying that you know, setting up that first Facebook page and getting your Instagram account up and ready and getting really good content and visuals out there will get you your first customer. I always disagreed with that because yes, that will get you some sort of top of mind awareness. But your first customer, you will only convert once you have that face-to-face conversation. So we really worked, even at Plan 9, on getting them to really fix their physical pitch. You know, when they're standing in front of a customer, how do you retain their attention? And then how do you convert them into actually someone who tries out your product? Um, I took the same thinking to Uber. And when we looked at data at Uber, we really understood that there's the segmentation and diversity in our audience here in Pakistan is probably um, one of a kind. Now, maybe, you know, parts of India have the same kind of landscape in audience, but we, we have a very, very diverse audience. There's people who are online and there's people who are not online, even though they have a smartphone and they have that uh, data connection, but they're not online. So, we would always debate before we build a campaign for a launch or a product or a feature. Um, we would always debate about how much of the money we want to spend on social and performance and how much of that money we need to take to like physically take to the audiences we think are relevant for that, um, that product or launch or whatever we were trying to talk about. Um, and I think it was always like a 50, 50 split. And so, it, it, in, in a part, always in our strategy, we had a massive part where we, we would do door-to-door branding or door-to-door advertisements, like old school, you know, how like soap brands are doing it and you see it on TV, that kind of advertisement. We were going door-to-door. There was a fear of first trip that we were dealing with, whether people were online, not online, watching what we were selling on social media or not. People were scared to be in a car with a stranger driving um, in the front street in that close proximity. However, people were not scared to be in a rickshaw with a stranger driving Mm -hmm. uh, because that's just something that's so common to our society. Um, People were still scared of sharing a bike with someone who they didn't know because they're so used to riding with their brother or their father or their uncle. Um, And this is people who are students and who were like young professionals, like housewives and stuff. But we understood that the diversity of emotion and the diversity of the need to commute was so different that we needed, we, we needed to touch all touch points. So we would, we would have our brand ambassadors at bus stops, uh, speaking to people and understanding why they would choose a bus over a door-to-door pickup drop-off service that Uber was providing them. We would set up Wi-Fi zones to encourage people to connect to free Wi-Fi so that we could have two minutes of conversation with them where we could explain to them how Uber is a safe uh, service. Um, We would meet them at parking lots and outside malls where they were waiting for public transport. We would speak to them about how they can carry their shopping into a car and in a very economic price rate, reach their destination and have safety features they can share with their friends or their family uh, so that they can track their, um, their commute. So That's... really just speaking to everyone about 
about features and the intricacies and also just the basic business model was so important for us. That's, that's really fascinating, Zainab, because, I mean, for me, and I think even for the audience to kind of understand, Pakistan is, I mean, a very different market, you know, um, and we are coming online and, and the demographics and the macros are extremely skewed with the people that are coming online, whether they're online, what are they doing online? I don't think everyone really understands how people are interacting with their mobile devices if they are interacting with their mobile devices and how they're doing that. Yeah. Now, what I find fascinating is for you in particular and, and for Uber's case and, and, and why I'm loving what you're saying is because people, this this mindset wasn't there. This experience, this, this kind of mindset needs to change there's a cultural shift that needs to happen for you to be able to sell the product that you're selling it's not like oh hame pata tha exactly ki uber kya cheez hai taxi rides ho rahi hai but this is how we're going to do it you need to onboard customers right and then when you're looking at a us economy where you're much more literate you're much more into um understanding and and that onboarding process where you can just do it on an app you don't need to necessarily go and have that face to face conversation but i think the importance of that and the relevance of that in an economy like pakistan is so extremely important you know like urdu ko to aap like put it put on another side on on having the conversation in urdu where i mean a lot of your population does not even read or write english so if those are your customers whether it be whether that be on your driver side or or, or otherwise i think you need to have a, a different strategy to that correct yeah yes so it's just like it's it's and i think there's a there's a big learning for people that are that are getting into startups over here um to kind of take that and and go with it where it it just you know people like to default to social and and to digital ads but sometimes yeah. in some particular cases you need to change user behavior yeah and changing user behavior in an economy which is not as digitally literate I I I can I I agree with you 110%. I think that it's for us to understand and it took us a couple of um attempts to to really break uh the code, you know, and try to understand and see where we could really impact the numbers or change or move the needle on ground uh through on ground activations. Um it it obviously took us a couple of a couple of experiments to understand that and i think the one thing that a lot of startups um worry about is the initial cost that you put in when you are you know printing out flyers or you're getting a brand ambassador or someone similar to stand and represent you it's obviously like a heavier investment than setting up a social media page and you know expecting it to grow organically that's why influencer strategy strategies nowadays are also working really really well the influencer scene in pakistan has grown i think in the last two or three years only um you see travel influencers you see you know influencers talking about csr causes influencers talking about fashion influencers talking about food mm-hmm. there's 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 a reason why these people are now becoming important because they're they're they build credibility to your product once it tested a lot of times when we launch products we'd put like someone like ushna shah or mayra khan in the car and we'd get them to order the first trip in that city and then 
review that trip as well so you know for people who know who they are and for people who aspire to be like them or have or have you know have hobbies or passions that are similar to theirs it would make them make it easier for them to understand how to request a trip or what the experience is like when it's coming from someone they already associate with if they don't associate with your brand as such then you need to use avenues where you can make them comfortable with um what you're selling um and even if it's music even if it's as simple as you know of a home chef um like a marketplace for home chefs to make those home chefs comfortable with the platform with the supply chain you're setting up for them you need to at least have two or three on board you get them on board through physical conversation and get them to be the voice of the brand get them to meet other home chefs and like talk about you and and build that credibility around your brand or around the system that you're setting up i think that that was something that i really learned my time at plan 9 and really tried to like uh put in play in our campaigns um at uber as well awesome um zineb i I'd, i'd love to hear like of i mean i'm assuming when you were working at uber you were you were doing the whole country you were, you 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 managed all different markets what are some learnings that you would have from opening up let's say the lahore campaigns to the peshawar ones to the bahawalpur ones to the islamabad ones how did they differ were there different experiences that you had or learnings um for sure super super different i think one of the things that are top of mind for me is um uh, so every ramzan we would do uh, partner driver engagement events mm-hmm. so we would call our top rated drivers from every city uh, and we were we were in 12 cities well we were in 12 cities at that time um across pakistan and we would call our top rated drivers the ones who have like the best reviews and have been with us longest so sometimes 100 drivers sometimes 200 of them um to um, an iftar and that iftar would be like a game show you know where you get them to be engaged with the host or you have them play something um last last time it was a t20 like the world the cricket world cup so we had like a cricket simulation and we got them to talk about cricket but once they were all engaged we ended up speaking to them about you know what what aspects of the business or what aspects of their service were would they like us to change or would they like us to review so it would really just turn into like a round table of sorts or like a focus group of sorts um with the audience and something you know in lahore and karachi it would be very standard that you know we we're online for x y z hours and we only get um requests for this percentage of the time and stuff and that's obviously because of the marketplace um but in the shower we had issues like drivers came to us and told us things like oh if it's a female driver a female rider they cancel when they find out it's a male driver and so we're not able to fulfill our targets um some parts of the shower there's jammers and you don't have data so they're like oh if you're passing through there the rider doesn't find out that we're coming over so they cancel the trip by the time we come out of the jam like the signal jammed area and so issues there were so different from the kind of conversations we were having in lahore and islamabad and karachi that we we needed our a, a bigger team to kind of come into play like our policy team helped us our legal team helped us and so really having those interactions if we weren't meeting the drivers one to one and having these discussions we would never find out that they were having these issues 
And so having those conversations, bringing them back to the team and having like a strike team created within our team that was going to address all of these really fundamental issues that were, um, you know, occurring in our customer's journey uh, became critical. And then I think in the next like three, four months, we really tried to solve all of these pain points for them. And we were now, well, COVID hit, but then we were, we were thinking of, um, you know, bringing the Saudi app version where you can request a female driver specifically mm-hmm. if you are a female rider and, you know, things like that, where you can really cater to the nuances of each society. That's awesome. And so, so insightful. Um, you know what, like, tell me about three of the most important lessons that you've learned in your journey so far. Um, okay. So I think the first thing that I learned at, um, in the time that I was at Uber was how to use data to build strategies. Um, initially, when, 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 I, when I joined Uber early in 2018, um, it was more about, okay, we're going to work with, cricket is going to be something that we work with. So we're going to have all of H1 or the first half of the year is going to be focused on cricket. And then in the second half of the year, we're only going to focus on talking about the safe, how safe Uber is. So we're going to talk about the features. We're, talk, we're going to talk about how we, you know, the rating and the review system and et cetera. And as we moved forward, like by the end of last year, we were only focusing on data. And we were trying to understand what is it that can help us retain our riders um, for a longer period of time. Is it safety? Should we be talking about safety in the first place? Um, is it a brand or um, like a, you know, a moment association with a moment? Would that work with our riders more? So we started understanding their needs. We did a lot of needed assessment studies. We did like segmentations and like further segmentations to understand where, what our data was pointing at. And then we tried to pinpoint or focus on those like two or three areas for like a quarter or a half of a year where we were only going to emphasize on those things that the riders currently on the platform or the drivers currently on the platform want to hear about or want to know more about or are feeling you know uncomfortable about and we want to fix that so more than creating like the hoo-ha we really zoomed in and turned around um and just focused on what they wanted to hear from us um so you know really using data to build marketing strategies and marketing campaigns that's one of the learnings that i'm coming out from even though we had a budget and even though we had those partnerships we could do all of that alongside doing, you know, the, the retention CRM campaigns and the re-education and re-engagement campaigns. But we wanted to focus on just that because we, we knew that that would bring us the most impact. Um, that's the first learning. Uh, the second thing I learned, not just at Uber, but also at, in Plan 9, was that, you know, the more structure um, you add in a team, the more departments functions you add in a team the more i the slower work becomes um at plan nine we were 12 people and we were handling everything um everything from like financing to meeting the government to meeting stakeholders making partnerships having events training startups mentoring startups having alumni events all sorts of things and digital and uh, digital marketing 
at Uber, we were just three marketers and we were handling all the marketing for the country, whether it was going to different cities, launching products, you know, running the hygiene campaigns, everything. I feel like what lean teams do is get people to be more involved in the various goals of the company or the brand. And when they feel that kind of ownership to the brand, they they sometimes also collaborate to projects and make it a higher impact project. Um, and it's something that you couldn't have done if you had all of those different departments and all of those different structures and policies through which protocols through which functions were working. So I think one learning is for, you know, startups tend to start their company and they're like, okay, we're going to have a tech team and then we're going to have a marketing team and everything's going to be under like a CMO and a CTO at, my argument always is that you need to have a really lean team, get people to like multitask and really learn what's happening in different avenues of the business so that they can really own it. And then, you know, you guys all progress together as a team. So that's something that that's another learning for me. I think that the smaller the team, we were able to do so much more work. Um, it always surprised us also. And I think the third lesson that's just coming up for me also is I haven't listed these down before is that um, even though external partners played a huge role for um, a brand like Uber, like, you know, providing insurance to our drivers, so working with insurance companies, working with brands like Jazz and Telenor to provide, you know, um, phone leads phone leases to our drivers so they could buy those smartphones or provide data to our drivers so they could, you know, pay out their being online costs. Um, even though they were so, so important, us to have our own, like, our own plans that essentially helped us as Uber speak to our riders and drivers was so important. I think that I learned this uh, when coronavirus actually started. Um, and even though we thought about, oh, okay, we need to work with, you know, 3M maybe and get like masks and like distribute those masks. What really mattered to us at that time was having a voice as a brand. We wanted to speak to our riders and empathize with them about what they were going through. And we wanted to speak to our drivers and praise them for the risk they were taking, um, driving, you know, healthcare workers around. Um, so I feel like in, even though all of those really fancy campaigns happen and they're very impactful, having that voice as a brand is so key. You know, if it was safety, then talking about that one feature of safety, like, okay, if you're wearing a mask, your face will be scanned before you start the trip for the driver and the rider and for the drivers and riders to understand why we're doing this for them and why we're doing it for the safety of their vehicle. It was, it became crucial for us to speak to them as with that point of view. And I think that's something that a lot of times we, we don't, we, we get overwhelmed with all the other offers or like partnerships that we have and we kind of underrate this conversation, but the brand conversation should always, always, always be prioritized. I completely agree. I mean, you're the front lines of the brand, like the brand needs to have that direct relationship. And I think, as branding and, and, and brands are evolving, 
um, it, it has become more front and center and more important than ever to take a stand and, and to be that voice and to be that relationship um, directly with that customer. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any comments, your feedback, please do send them my way. Mera direct email address hai amad at caravan.vc or na aap hamare baare mein aur information hasil kar sakte hain on our website which is www.caravan.vc or on Instagram. Um, our handle is at caravan.vc. Until next time, Khuda Hafiz. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.